Jason Klom here. Before we get started, my buddy Dan is raising money uh, for his cat, Skeeter, who is sick with FIP. Uh, the treatment is going well, but it's experimental and therefore very expensive. So if you go to linktr.ee forward slash dgomi, that's linktr.ee forward slash dgomi, the top link will take you where to donate. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. I'm Jason Klom, and this is Comedy on Vinyl. With the artist Walt Kelly, my guest this week is Adam Covert, a.k.a. Ape Lad. Thank you for being here. You are welcome. It took us a while. It took us a little while. Um, uh, I am. If people don't know your work, they should know your work. The Laugh Out Loud Cats etc that's the thing i know the most but you've done so many damn things do you want to tell them about your work for a minute uh sure i'm a well by day i work in video games but mm-hmm. by night i freelance i do a lot of cartooning i've got a uh semi hibernating web comic called the laugh out loud cats that lives on in email mm-hmm. mailchimp form for mm-hmm. now um i've also got a newish comic strip i guess it's coming up on two years called haircut practice that's on mm-hmm. gocomics.com mm-hmm. and then i've got all sorts of other little fires burning all the time i do posters album covers coloring books greeting cards mm-hmm. t-shirts whatever it should whatever be keeps me busy it should be pointed out that the thing that i first uh, found of yours was the laugh out loud ca- cats which is hard to explain because it is a cartoon based off a of very early memory if that's uh-huh. a word, but it does include uh, la- uh, uh, lolcat or lolcat uh, pigeon language, which is appropriate for what you've picked today, considering the amount of language he- Walt Kelly plays within Pogo. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's unmatched what he does to the English language <laughs> on this album. <laughs> Do you, how? When did you know that this album existed? Is this something you owned as a kid? Is this something you knew about as a kid? Um, I think I had a neighbor who owned it because okay. as I started listening to it again, a lot of the, a couple of the lines came back to me and some of the tunes came back to me for sure. Mm-hmm. I, we never had it. We did have kind of an extensive record collection, but not as much kid stuff. Um, although we had a few Disney things, but never this one. Sure. Um, his work, I first became familiar with as I would visit libraries as a kid and they always had Pogo collections. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Because and any cartoonist who wants to learn to draw will run across Walt Kelly sooner or later. Of course, of course. He similarly has also worked for the Disney Corporation, which has been at least part of your career, working for the, the, the company anyway, in some capacity, yeah. right? He, yeah. Uh, he started out as, I believe, a storyboard artist, then he became an assistant and a, uh, probably a cleanup or in-between animator, and then he moved on to comics. Mm-hmm. And then he birthed Pogo, I guess, in comic book form first, and then it became a daily strip Mm -hmm. for dozens of years and became kind of a household name, Mm -hmm. spawned all sorts of memes and the whole we have met the enemy and he is us Mm -hmm. idea came through Pogo. He's very uh, political. Um, at least subtly, although it didn't sound very subtle, but he, 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 uh, you know, he did it through his characters as you do. Yeah. I mean, the thing I, I mean, I grew up in the seventies and eighties were my formative years. And I, those, those were the, the times of 
comic strips like Ziggy and Garfield where there was a gag a day and, you know, the characters were just sort of the same over the course of the years. With something like Pogo, that was an era where millions of people read to follow some sort of story arc that was Mm -hmm. going on. So, you, you know, it asked you to pay attention not only to the language but to the characterization and the thread like where things were going and that's something that just doesn't happen much anymore in comic strips yeah because it's it's uh, probably considered less repeatable in terms of publishing i'm guessing i'm, I'm sure money wise they're like ah, oh, we don't want people they want to pick it up the you know pick up the comic right from where it is and they'll be fine and not uncomfortable in any way yeah and when it comes to a comic strip there's really not the same sort of platform for them Right. People aren't getting a newspaper every morning on their mm. doorstep. You can't expect millions of people to be familiar with the comic strip anymore. Yeah, that's fair. How much do you think you've read of Pogo? Oh, more, oh boy. Uh, not a huge percent. Mm-hmm. It's one that I would pick up off and on. It was never one that I would really sit down and just pour. I mean, I would pour over the art, but not mm-hmm. necessarily reading through the story arcs. I'm familiar with the characters although it has been a few years mm-hmm. um fantagraphics has been um publishing those complete collections oh, which yeah. i've picked up here and there um and they're amazing mm-hmm. but as far as like i'm not like verse i don't know like chapter and verse of you know all the different storylines and sure. different drums he was beating as he went this is the first time we've talked about the record on the podcast but it's not the first time somebody's picked it um, oh really? Yeah, we. I don't remember what meant, uh, what made it so we couldn't talk about it, or just didn't talk about it. But my uncle-in-law, who's the reason I even have this MP3 of it that I could listen to, uh, he owned it growing up. He he and my late father-in-law listened to that as kids, and uh, yeah. So you were the second person ever to pick it, and for him <laughs> it was because he literally was alive when it was a thing, and yeah, for you tail end really you just you saw it at the library do you can you peg one thing about the art anything in particular about the art that drew you in or is it just a general it looked great i mean walt kelly's art i think is you know one of the top five comic strip artists of all time just Mm -hmm. the appeal and the I mean, just the characterizations are so charming and so appealing in a way that just seems so natural to him. And I guess it makes sense with his background in animation and, and you know, the workhorse that he was. But mm-hmm. really, it was the art and the, the specificity of the place, like so much care and love went into those characters and the backgrounds and the world he created that, you know, it's just I couldn't help but be absorbed by it. I was looking at a couple images. They weren't great quality because they were on eBay, but from the book uh that this album comes from of Mm -hmm. of the same name but there were just a couple drawings in there and i've rarely ever seen something that's uh, seen a cartoon of that style seem to be moving and i make no exaggeration i just looked at it and it was the most dynamic cartoon of a dog playing a banjo i've ever seen in my life it looked so again dynamic is all i can think of it's insane he's pretty incredible i mean i mean it is his baby but at the time pogo was at its pinnacle he had a studio mm-hmm. a lot of comic strips then would have assistance sure I, i'm not sure how much of his own lettering he did he has a letterer that did all of his gorgeous titles and all of that stuff throughout the history of the comic he also had several assistants including some in his family so mm-hmm. it became sort of this workshop 
that yeah. you know carried on the the brand. They tried to revive it after he had passed away, and it mm-hmm. it ran for a few years. But I think he had he was the the heart of what made Pogo what it is. Mm-hmm. Do you is this a record you listen to with your neighbor? Is this something you borrowed? What's what's your history? We, there were probably a couple of songs. Um, listening to it again, it's. It's weird that it's a kid's album. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's so, like, dense with wordplay. Yeah. One of the times I listened through it, I thought, well, which part of this is for kids? And I know it wasn't really... You know, you look at a comic strip like Pogo and you think, oh, this is for children. Mm-hmm. But honestly, it was for him. He wasn't <laughs> writing necessarily for an audience. He had the he had the stories he wanted to tell and the messages he wanted to get out through the subtext or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same with this. Like he had some songs he wrote and he wanted to get them out into the world. He wanted to polish them up and see how they stood up. And, you know, the result is what was marketed as a kid's album, but really (laughs) it's its own weird thing. Yeah. It's so different than other kids albums. I I, I think it's, that's one of the, my brain fried because I accidentally turned off my fucking video. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to make a note, cut out the fact that your idiot watch just went off, Jason. Um, let's see. Uh, let me make a note of that. Um, okay. Yep. You're right. Everything you said is correct. And now my brain is gone. Um, could you repeat had the you, last thing you said? I'm so had sorry. Had you ever listened to it before? No, no. Uh, and I was supposed to have because, again, my, my Uncle Dick sent it along so that I could listen to it and enjoy it. And no, not until today. Yeah, it's it's so strange that it... I mean, I guess it's seen as a kid's album. One of the things as I started to listen to it again and mm-hmm. sort of peck around online to see what was thought of it, mm-hmm. um, They Might Be Giants came up pretty quickly because they covered one of the songs on an early Dyla song. Oh, they did covered, they? Shit. They covered mm. um, Lines Upon a Tranquil Brow, the last song. Oh, wow. So, you know, and, and thinking about that and thinking about all the wordplay and all the twists and turns that, and puns that, you know, I can mm-hmm. see that being an influence on them. Yeah. This has more alliteration than any album I've ever heard. I, f- I should point <laughs> that out. Rather than sticking, like, sure, rhymes, it's they're, they're well-built songs, but I've never heard somebody commit so much to alliteration in my life. Yeah. It's to puns, the point. Yeah. Spoonerisms. Puns, yeah, for sure. Tons of those. <laughs> It, 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 do you, th- is it in the, it doesn't feel like it's in what seems to be the established sort of like language or dialect of Pogo though. It doesn't seem to have that same thing. Mm. It just seems to be a crazy thing that, that lives within the world. Maybe it's a record he would have heard. I don't know what the premise of the record was supposed to be beyond that. But. I mean, I was looking for that too. Mm-hmm. And it's not even in the voice of the characters. The first song is, you know, I guess it could be said that it's about Pogo, mm-hmm. but it's really like a, almost like a campaign march. Mm-hmm. This really mm-hmm. bombastic thing that, sure. you know, it mentions Pogo, but I, at one point it's almost like, you just keep saying Pogo because it rhymes with so many of these <laughs> <laughs> yeah places you're listing. <laughs> this isn't about Pogo. Right. And from there, it's like all bets are off. There's nothing about any of the characters in the strip on the rest of this. There's something about that that I appreciate. Again, if this was equally like, again, I'd love to know if the book was uh, in any way a thing of passion, something he just tossed off for fun, a mix Mm -hmm. of the two, because then, as you say, the whole making the comic for yourself, making the art for yourself, which can be hard for some people to do. 
And for some of us, you don't have a choice um, because no one's listening. But uh, it it is one of those things that I kind of really respect if indeed it was just like, no, I'm I'm just going to make a book. Then I'm going to make a record. I don't know if it's going to make sense to anybody and I don't care. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, did his name have enough currency Mm -hmm. for them to say, sure, go ahead and record all these songs. We'll, we'll, We'll let you sing them. Mm-hmm. Which is another weird thing. His yeah. voice is throughout this. Yeah, and and he's for what the songs are. It's interesting to hear how you know how his voice changes throughout it. I wouldn't necessarily call him a singer, but he sure. carries the tunes of his, mm-hmm. this, these things he's written. Yeah. Um. But for them to then say, yeah, let's make an album of these and market it and produce it and market it and sell it. Yeah. And we'll have Pogo on the front, but. <laughs> I mean, That's it, all we expect of you. And then you'll make this book, which has the characters in it, but really yeah. there's not much content related to the strip. No, there's like straight up actual sheet music in it from what I saw. Um, mm-hmm. The art's great. Uh, yeah. I, I should, I need to pull it up. I, I, I meant to have it pulled up before this, but if I pull up his disc, Discogs page earlier, the one thing that I didn't, and maybe I missed it on his, his Wikipedia, um, but he this is not the first his first foray into musical entertainment uh on on vinyl uh the first stuff he did was well here's the problem there's no years listed so there's no telling when these were actually created this is my Mm. guess is this was you know before disney or in between you know things or concurrent with something else but there are a bunch of uh Let's see, like Little Red Riding Hood, a bunch of fairy tales. Um, it was mm. cl- the Storybook Record Company, and they have illustrations on the records that may well be his. I'm not sure. They're very Disney influenced. If if uh, if if he did draw them, um, like the Three Little Pigs looks a lot like the Disney Three Little Pigs. So this is that was his fir- seemingly his first. If he did them mm. before, and um, yeah, so he out. left Disney, and I think. 31. Oh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, pretty yeah. early, and he went into publishing. So they probably—I mean, he had the style down. So he based on this art style, this is 30s. So yeah. I'm guessing that's when he did these. Yeah. As know. far as like writing songs, I know writing poems and lyrics were always a part of the strip. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would, you know, they they'd print those collections that would then go on to sell really well, and those would include like additional material like songs in them as mm-hmm. well so i guess that i guess that's where this comes from that started to pile up and they you know they got the idea well why don't we go ahead and start recording these and it's yeah. just such a like can you imagine jim davis doing this <laughs> <laughs> i have the equivalent and it's terrible it's here comes garfield and it's really not good except for lou Rawls. like that's the only good part of here comes garfield <laughs> So okay, I guess yeah. I guess Walt Kelly was the pioneer of this yeah. idea. Yeah, but can you imagine Jim Davis? Here's the thing: Can you imagine J- Jim Davis doing anything beyond sometimes drawing his own comic strip? Really, I can't. I mean, that's that's about it. He's admitted it. He's admitted it. he knows he's a he's a shill. Sure, he, you know he's he's fully admitted that's what he is. But I don't know if I respect that or what. But it's at least I know better. At least I know he's admitted. Yeah, that. I mean, like I was saying, I think Walt Kelly was that same. You know, Dennis the Menace, all these guys, mm-hmm. they got this huge 
amount of popularity that just doesn't happen from a comic strip anymore. And sure. so they said, okay, I'm going to have other people work on this for me so I can go golf and enjoy life mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. So I can go record an album <laughs> of all these kind of marching tunes. <laughs> yeah. that, that poses children's songs, maybe. Like, I yeah. mean, one of the songs even has a, a the the punchline to the two main verse. I know nothing about music, so I don't, I'm not using the right words. Either the punchline is something whistling at the girls walking by, and it's like, okay, yeah. well, that's very um, adult. We're off to the drugstore to whistle at girls. Yep, that's what it is. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's the one They Might Be Giants covered. And that's the okay. line that ends the song. It's like, <laughs> okay, this party's <laughs> over. I'm off to the drugstore. <laughs> so weird yeah so incredibly strange so i mean that the first thing too is i was listening to it i'm like well this is going to be a kid's record again was my assumption and then moving into it i'm like okay maybe less of a kid's record but like is this like i've been thinking about it as comedy the whole time like is it comedy and but the more i dug into Mm -hmm. it i think the just the level to which he messes with language is qualifies it as comedy because you don't listen to this for any serious purpose there's you don't you're not going to sit here and right. just contemplate it like you would a a bach something or other right says the man yeah talking about music <laughs> the it is uh tonally mm-hmm. i mean i don't know that anyone like breaks down laughing at anything here mm-hmm. but there is there is a lot of stuff that's really clever there's yeah. really clever wordplay and, and you know there are some people who just hate and loathe puns and Sure. Spoonerisms and all that stuff. So it's definitely not for everyone. Right. Um, there, there are a few songs I think that are absolutely for kids that I can see kids enjoying. But mm-hmm. as far as, as far as me as a child sitting down and listening to this, first mm-hmm. of all, it's pretty long. There's like 18 songs. I don't know <laughs> that I ever would have sat from beginning to end because it would have just, you know, bewildered me. Like, mm-hmm. What is this? What are these? <laughs> what are they saying? And how, how do I interpret this? Yeah. <laughs> They they are really quick. That was the one thing. It was like, oh, there's a lot of them, but they're very very fast. They're in and out. You know, they're they're like poems. They're you know they're just very quick uh, takes on whatever idea he was. I'm still not even sure what any of them were about. I need to pull up the track list because I think I'm going to end up lost otherwise. Yeah, that, that's that's the big thing. A lot of them are just repeated stanzas. Mm-hmm. It'll be the the lyric and then a musical bridge and then boom again. The same thing. Mm-hmm. The only a couple of them seem like they're fully fleshed out songs. Mm-hmm. So they very much feel, for lack of a uh, any other comparison, sense of comparison, you know, like something a Dr. Seuss might write. Um, just uh-huh. with you know, maybe less. No, not less made up language. Probably more. Um, but again, doesn't sound anything like, again, like the language of the swamp. Um, yeah. What what do what was your initial was it because this is something you grew up with or was it because you love Pogo what's what's the reason that drew you to picking this this week? Well, I love Walt Kelly, mm-hmm. and you know you asked how much I've read, and it seems like, I mean, I'm really familiar with his work, but it mm-hmm. almost still feels like a blind spot to me because I haven't ever really dug in. So yeah. f- to me, this was kind of like let's. I want to figure out what he's all about and mm-hmm. what's there. If he is as brilliant and as influential as, you know, everyone says. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it's undeniable that his art style is. You you still see, you know, bits and pieces of that Disney charm that he sort of turned into his own thing yeah. all over the place. But as far as, like, 
wordplay. I don't know that that is as influential, but it is mm-hmm. still pretty ingenious in in most places. Yeah, there's there's this. It, it it's so heavily influenced by again. You couldn't not be if you're going to draw Disney stuff all day, every day for years on years and years. I don't know how easy it would be to come up with your own basic style even. Like, you're going to start yeah. with the same shapes. You're going to start with the same kind of rough. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he looks like Mickey Mouse without a nose and with hair and without giant ears. There's there's It's undeniable yeah. that there's a shape there that you're mm-hmm. going to default to. And it's fine. Um, but it, it does border on at least giving you the potential for satire. You know, you know I don't know if he ever played with that. I don't know if he ever bothered to make fun of Walt Disney. I don't know if that was ever a thing he did. But... That potential was there, and it's recognizable. That's another thing. I feel like if you looked at this, you might assume it was a Disney thing. If you were, oh yeah, a, a, yeah, like, you know, you didn't know any better, especially for back sure. Then. There were uh, a few attempts at making animated Pogo mm-hmm. specials. Yeah, he he did one towards the end of his life because mm-hmm. he had had a bad experience with Chuck Jones. Oh yeah, Chuck Jones worked on a one and sort of turned it into this kind of cloying soup or saccharine thing that was not fitting for what Pogo was, but it was what Chuck Jones wanted, and sure. he sort of, you know, used his name to get what he wanted, and, mm-hmm. and nobody was happy. I think they, they, you know, I don't know that they came to blows, but I don't think they were fans of each other after that experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So towards the end of his life, uh, Walt Kelly started to animate his own version of a story, and you know, I think it does lend itself to animation. I wouldn't be surprised if there isn't someday an attempt. With the way every IP gets revived nowadays, maybe someone out there is already working on a, a sure. Pogo short or something. That would be um, that would be amazing. They, yeah, because I saw a bit. They're both the two that I know of are, are on YouTube, which is the one you were just mentioning, which has June Foray as the voice of Pogo. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of other, you know, recognizable voice actors. And the second one is a claymation one that they did, or yeah. that is to say a stop motion. I shouldn't say claymation; that's a trademark. But a stop motion one from much later, way after. His yeah, time. and it's a bit slow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's you know, you can see what they were trying to do. Yeah, I don't hate the voice work in it. I feel like June Foray. I love her, but she's a weird choice for Pogo. Um, I don't yeah. hate the voice work in the stop motion one, but yeah, it's a little on this. It's like an hour and a half too. Like I don't think there's yeah. something like that. I don't think any of that needs to be an hour and a half long. Nothing no. that started as a comic strip probably needs to. <laughs> Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe I'm exaggerating. It's just like they're they're meant to be taken in bites, even if it's a long extended story. Yeah, I think that's why the Peanuts specials work so well mm-hmm. is they can you can still feel like a comic strip over 25 minutes or whatever yeah do you as a cartoonist yourself do you like the open-endedness of continuing to draw these continuing adventures that don't necessarily have to go to a specific place or is there any freedom in that i yes i so much of modern storytelling is based on it has to fit in this structure it has to have this these beats you have to have this hero's journey mm-hmm. with a comic strip especially with the laugh out loud cats i played with this a lot of just letting the story tell itself letting mm-hmm. it, not knowing ahead of time where it goes mm-hmm. just start with uh, once in a while i would send them to a fairy tale land or shrink them down or send them wherever and just <laughs> see what happened over the course of 100 comics yeah and just let you know, find the the gags if I could mm-hmm. over the course of that experience, and just let it 
be what it had to be. That doesn't happen very much in most other storytelling media. Yeah. Not in video games, not in movies, not in TV shows. Everything's got to have an arc. Everything's right. got to have closure and this payoff and these beats. And, you know, there are there are storytelling forms that you don't have to do that in. There sure. are picaresque stories, for example, where it's just the experiences. There is some growth and some change. If you look at something like, have you ever seen Barry Lyndon? I have not. Martin Scorsese's movie. It's mm-hmm. just the story of Rake's progress. What happens to him over the course of him making bad mistakes? Mm-hmm. You don't follow that for the plot or for the hero's journey. Sure. It's a different structure that is just not around anymore. Mm-hmm. Do, so. I mean, we could sit here and pontificate um, up our own butts all day, but do you <laughs> think it, is it an impatience thing? Is it a glut of content? I hate that word, but is it a glut of stuff? What do we think? Do you have any thoughts? I think so. There, There is a lot of, of content out there, and there are so many expectations coming from audiences. Mm-hmm. Like they want, there, there's a lot of expertise that might not be earned when someone, you know, experiences a story and they think they know what it should have been or it could have been or it needed to become without really having any part of the creative process. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the voice of the creator should outweigh whatever expectation. If, if you want something novel and unique and new, that's that's where the change has to come, is from the creator saying, this is what I want this story to be, and here's what it's going to do. It, it'll upset people. Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to love it, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's no You don't have to win everyone over with your stories. Yeah. You With the Laugh Out Loud cats, you start from this weird, weird shared language that a uh-huh. bunch of nerds had. Uh-huh. Um, some imagery. Um, uh, it helped if you had the shared knowledge of who John Hodgman was in bits and pieces here and there, of course. Sure. Um, but you still got to do it for yourself, right? I mean, it still is, is, it's still that, right? Yeah. I mean, ultimately, and, you know, I've sort of taken a break. Earlier this mm-hmm. year, I, I started sending them out weekly via yeah. email. It started as um, a thing where I they were direct commissions from people. Like, if you want me to draw a picture, give me 20 bucks and I'll send you an original drawing. Mm-hmm. And that sort of built into, like, picked up steam pretty quickly till I had a few hundred. And it became this ongoing comic strip. Yeah. So it, it started becoming, you know, six days a week over the course of 11 years where it got to the point where I was like, I, this is probably enough. Mm-hmm. I started, I did, I did a f- few collections of books. I had one uh, published by Abrams and then I published my own and then sort of just figured out what I wanted to do with it. I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, a multi-decade grind of every single day because sure. the you know, that's no way to live. And there's mm-hmm. not the, there's not the, you know, you can't make a living doing that anymore. Right. Um, so at the heart of all that, I didn't have anyone telling me where it had to go. I would have fans say, hey, why don't you do something Doctor Who related or whatever? And that was mm-hmm. always fun and sure. fine. But as far as like, you know, following a structure or so, or someone saying this has to, we have to meet this audience expectation. It was never that. It was always just what I wanted to do and where I wanted to take them and what mm-hmm. corners of this weird little world I made that I wanted to explore. So. Yeah, there. I I love the purity of it as a person who, um, you know, makes shit myself and doesn't make any mm-hmm. money off it. I I can relate to that 
part two. Again, you sort of have to make it for yourself. The other bonus is you don't have to deal with, obviously, you know, people overuse the word censorship nowadays, but like Walt Kelly, like legitimately had attempts at real censorship a few times. Uh-huh. Like, sure. He had this character who's based off of Joseph McCarthy, who he then uh-huh. just put a fucking bag over his head, which uh, <laughs> eyebrows and all, <laughs> which yeah. he then was like, yeah, it kind of looks like a clan hood too. So I'm happy with it. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Uh, I, I love that. You know, that's the thing that would get some, well, you would get fired, I guess. Most people would. I'm not sure how he got away with it. I, I, I can appreciate that. But you don't have to deal with that, I guess, making your own thing. making it. Yeah, the internet of, of even 10 years ago was so different than it is today. You, mm-hmm. could, you could do things under the auspice of, well, this is for me, and whatever attention I get is great. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to share what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, it's all... And, you know, not to fault anyone, mm-hmm. this is how things get made. But nowadays, everything, it seems like, is subscription-based. Yeah. Like, if you want access to this, it's going to be six bucks a month or whatever. And, yeah. You know, if that's if that's what needs to happen nowadays in order for creative people to do what they need to do, then that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a lot harder to, to, to do things for free and just set them out there and get any sort of attention. Yeah. Plus, the internet is so big now. Like every, literally everyone on earth Mm -hmm. has, um, maybe not literally, but (laughs) you know, so many more, so many more people have access to quick internet speeds and can just see whatever content they want, whenever they need it. Mm -hmm. And finding a wedge in there is, I don't know how people do it. I guess TikTok. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) I'm the only idiot who doesn't have like any proper subscription based stuff. I have a Patreon that I barely do anything with and. Some people are yeah. still kindly putting like a couple bucks in every month and it's like, yeah, I'm still not good at it. It's not, yeah. it doesn't make sense to me, which is crazy. It should by now, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't have anything like that either. And it, it always sort of feels like a job to me. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. now I'm working for everyone and I'd rather, I'd rather share what I do when I do it and mm-hmm. let people enjoy it than, you know, do it under the expectation of okay now to pump out more content because there's enough of that yeah now well hire an assistant they can draw everything for you we've established what the the dream is so you know yeah but then i gotta pay him that's true then i have to pay him you have to charge (laughs) a lot more (laughs) you get into all the tax (laughs) difficulties and all that so have you i don't recall my apologies because you've done how many now how many strips now officially how many uh well when i hit three thousand is kind of when i just sort of I just sort of sold a few more and then mm-hmm. sort of went to email and post them every now and then. So 3,000 so, plus. Yeah. Have you ever included any of your own attempts at or parts of songs in any of them? So that is a, a deficiency I have. Mm-hmm. I've always been jealous of cartoonists who have a musical ear. Mm-hmm. I don't play any instruments. I, I don't... I guess I could carry a tune if i had to if mm-hmm. i was part of a larger singing group i'd be fine but like when it comes to the foundational animators like fritz freeling and walt kelly and so many others they had a musical ear they knew music they knew how to write music they knew how to perform it mm-hmm. they had that timing and that's just not been been something that i've trained myself in yeah that's so, interesting Mm-hmm. I have done things like limericks and, you know, short little pieces, but as far as something where I told myself, yeah, this is a song. No, mm-hmm. I haven't. Okay. 
So you would have what would have to happen is to make a laugh out loud cat, loud cats album is you would have to put together some stuff, um, mm-hmm. and then have they might be giants finish it off for you. It and I'd like have, it. or I could just sing it like Walt. Well, That'd be me. great too. I mean, I would also listen to that gladly. You know, I'd buy it. I mean, that's <laughs> sure. I think this is established. <laughs> as long as it's released on vinyl, then I can okay bring it up on on here. That'd be fine. Um. Is have you ever had a temptation to to do anything? I don't want to say beyond because Laugh Out Loud Cats is what it is, and it is perfect as it is. It is good enough as it is. But has there been a temptation to turn it into something else? Has that ever? I mean, I, somebody must have contacted you and said, "Hey, I bet I can get this made as a cartoon." There, yeah, there have been attempts along the way. Nothing mm-hmm. that really went too far, Damn. but there was interest, especially you know three or four years in when it Mm -hmm. you know sort of had its own legs and people were paying attention and it would show up in places but i don't know i don't know that it would as far as like making something for a general audience Mm -hmm. it would have to become a little something a little different Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know i guess it could work but i i don't really pursue things ideas like that anymore yeah i mean there's there's t-shirts so does that count as a different you know what it is its own thing it is absolutely yeah. its own thing maybe a mug or two sure yeah why not um those although, are media good god i'm now thinking i would play a video game of them now that i'm now that i'm thinking of it out loud because my yeah. first thought was mm, cuphead but that's now becoming a cartoon but then i was then thinking sure i would absolutely i don't play video games but if it was a again a okay. meandering no story video game Sure. Complete like a sandbox. 2D side scroller. Yep. And then maybe nothing but... happens. It could be. <laughs> you know? just you just find stuff and they're you know, hobo just... cats. Yeah. What, what needs to technically happen? Not much. Nothing. They maybe... need well, maybe there would be like a they would have to nap every Sure. Sure. And eat, find some food. Mhm. The occasional threat of jail maybe. And then yeah. again, I love that. No, this is a good yeah. game. This is a good video game. If somebody out there wants to program it, um, yeah. Adam's open to suggestions. <laughs> I'm putting words in your mouth. It's a conflict of interest with my day job, so yeah, that's there'd true. Be some wrangling. That's that would fair. Have to happen first. I understand that. <laughs> um, do you off of this album? Is there a particular favorite? Is there something that has grown on you since uh, being a child? Well, the first song, the what is it called? It's called. There's Go Go Pogo. Yeah, yeah, the that rollicking sort of opening stanza was mm-hmm. I was caught myself humming that all day today mm-hmm. in the morning, <laughs> and I don't know that that's even as far as wordplay goes. I think that might be one of the densest songs. Yeah, um, I don't know that I love that song. There mm-hmm. is that one. There's a song. What is it called? Hold on, let me pull it up. Sure. I think he must have written it for one of his kids. It's mm-hmm. called. Uh, something about turning two. Do you remember oh. that one? Uh, I'm looking at the list now, but the list doesn't have the lyrics, so it's not going to help me. Oh, actually, I have the lyrics. Someone uh-huh. in the early days of blogging mm-hmm. transposed all the, li- oh my God. the lyrics. Okay. Let me scroll down. A couple of the songs are really uh, quite sweet. Mm-hmm. One or two of them mm-hmm. reminded me of something that nowadays someone like Joanna Newsom would sing mm-hmm. with the right instrumentation as far as like the the density and maybe the charm of them and yeah. the uniqueness. Um, let's see. What is it called? It's, it's one about turning two. 
Oh, many hairy returns. Once oh, you yeah. were two, okay. dear birthday friend, in spite of purple weather, but now you are three and near the end as we grew some together. Even that has wordplay. As we grew some together. As we grew some together. <laughs> it seems like, as a parent, it seems like a sweet little song he must have written for one of his kids mm-hmm. that ended up here. You know, nothing to do with Pogo, again, but sure. it's got, you know, some fun wordplay. How forthful thou, forsooth for you, for soon you will be more. But for, apostrophe F-O-R-E, mm-hmm. one can be three, be two, be five, be four. <laughs> It sounds like not. I mean, it is nonsense when sure. you read it like that. But mm-hmm. in in context, it's it's pretty charming. <laughs> and then he's got that that weird. Uh, there's one called "Don't Sugar Me" that yeah. it comes on all of a sudden. It's like, did I just come into a burlesque show? Uh-huh. Like, what's going on? And yeah. that, that it's it's a kiss off song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was pretty surprised by that. Where where did this come from? Yeah, a little bit of sexy oh, I... trombone or whatever the hell was playing in the background. I don't remember what it was, but a little yeah. Kind of... Kind of almost, it, yeah. It's a little sexy music. That's what it is. I won't sip a lip with you less. You want a granulate, granulated lump or two. Just roll them eyes right out that door. Them saucer eyes ain't square no more. <laughs> what did I just hear? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's it's interesting how, um, how the songs will go from, like, super boisterous mm-hmm. to that sort of saccharine... Not saccharine, but like sweet and orchestral. Yeah, I'm not sure who the woman who is who sings on this. It's not it's not Walt Kelly, but whoever is singing, <laughs> she's the other vocalist on this that that does the 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 more. There is like a that name of Fia Karen, F I A Karen, hmm. K A R I N, and I don't. I've literally never heard this name before. Yeah, I wonder. She's got a very long discography, from what I can see, and she's just sung a ton of a ton of shit. Um, that's that's all I know about her. Um, yeah, ton of albums too, but that's huh. where I wonder Karen. if she was a studio vocalist of some sort. Like right, a, right. Hmm. Sang a lot in French, uh, from what I can see. Um, there's going to be somebody out there who's an expert. That's what happens every time somebody uh-huh. will kindly come back and be like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't know her. She's this and this." It's like holy shit. Yeah. There's, there's always an expert, and I kind of love that. Oh, when you get to comic strips and animation, there, there are still luckily are a lot of those experts, and some of the people who were even there, like you may mm-hmm. get someone chiming in. Oh, I worked on that Pogo stop motion from seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How amazing. dare you say those things about my work? <laughs> <laughs> There's that Northern Lights song I liked a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Aurora, Aurora for Nora, Nora, Alice in the night, for she has seen Aurora, Borealis, burning bright. Mm-hmm. A furor for our Nora and applaud Aurora scene, where throughout the summer has our Borealis been? And that's the song. And then it's, they repeat it. <laughs> you know, I'm realizing as you're reading them, like the sides of my mouth are turning up. I'm smiling at them. I might not be guffawing. Yeah. But I'm smiling at them because they are at the very least clever. At the very least clever. Sure. Yeah. I think a lot of them, as he was writing them, he just found pleasure in the way the words rolled off the tongue or rolled around in his head. And, yeah. You know. And I think that that still happens a lot with me or, or with anyone who writes. My, my job primarily right now in games is writing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you find a phrase and it just kicks around in your head for a while and you've got to do something with it because it's so... Yeah. You, it feels like you've made this weird connection with words that is, you know, new or charming or unique and you want to play with it. 
Yeah. And that seems like that's what this whole album is. Yeah. I love very much that your job, so your job is it primarily writing dialogue then for these games? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I love so much that then you're, the thing that you do sometimes in your free time to entertain uh, people like me is the, like, <laughs> it's the least dialogue-heavy shit that you could possibly write. None of it's in <laughs> proper English, and I love that. Sure. That's that's adorable. That's a that's a fun way to... to yeah, I'll never for... Something. I'll never forget that time at a Comic-Con when I was selling one of my first books mm-hmm. at a table. A woman picked it up and started reading and was a bit offended that at all the misspellings and pidgin English. And went, <laughs> okay, I guess that's fine. You don't have to get it. Sure. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to get the book and you don't have to get the idea. But right. someone does, thank goodness. And if no one else does, at least I do. And Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you... I'd like to quickly talk about, like, we're talking a lot about uh, Pogo's impact on on yourself, on the world of just animation, cartooning, uh, the entertainment world, maybe in general. The one thing that I read that was maybe the most insane thing about just the character's impact was the, you know, there was a whole storyline in the comics about him being forced to run for president. And there were were, uh, buttons that said, I go Pogo, that were kind of supposed to be like, I like Ike. And mm-hmm. there was a riot at Harvard called the Pogo Riot. Oh, really? Because of this. And I can't tell <laughs> if this was a bunch of ironic nerds that it eventually turned into a big fight. Well, but it was, it was called the Pogo Riot. And That's amazing. Yeah. I think part of that story might be, mm-hmm. I don't know when that was, but I think that might be part of what inspired the first song. Because the first song, mm-hmm. Go, Go, Pogo, sounds mm-hmm. very much like a politician on a campaign trail like the yes the bombastic boisterous march and the the listing i mean it's probably one of the longest songs lyrically but it it's mm-hmm. just listing these oswego to frisco go to fargo okie finoki play in a possum on a pogo like i think that's all it just goes on to list uh shimokin to hoboken chicago to shenango to chicago like that must be like that, I think that must be the the campaign aspect of Pogo, and I, I I think he had a book collection called I Go Pogo, but I didn't know of that wider. He did, yeah, cultural he did. impact. He had that. I yeah, I spent a little bit of time on eBay finding stuff that you don't necessarily find listed elsewhere, but that was definitely part of it. A lot of these like side book projects that maybe he wasn't involved with, maybe he was. Yeah. I'd like to know, like, I, again, I, I, I'd be curious. Do you have a better, you said you listened to it to maybe kind of try and figure out a little bit more of who he was. Do you have a better mental picture of who Walt Kelly was? I mean, he's, it sounded like he liked to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounded like he uh, would get a bug to do something that was fun or interesting to him and mm-hmm. saw it through. Yeah. I mean, I think I have a million ideas like that where I think, you know, I wonder if I could develop this such yeah. and such into an idea and whether or not I follow through with it depends on circumstances. But he somehow, even though he's a cartoonist with a daily newspaper strip, mm-hmm. used his free time to say, you know what, I'm going to put these songs down and I'm going to go into that recording booth. We're going to get my my friend to do some <laughs> orchestrations. We're going to record it. We're going to print it we're gonna market it mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to appreciate that Those... i don't know whether it's gumption or sure dedication to a, such a strange idea 
because it's only I don't want to say only eight years is not nothing eight years into the life of the strip that this comes out and I don't know what level of popularity it was at so it's hard to tell if this is a thing it's obviously not a self-funded thing but I I do sure. wonder what where what's the impetus for this very strange idea I don't quite I love it I I, I like I that it he, exists I don't know that he was a household name yeah but I think he was famous enough to justify this risk of you know producing this it's mm-hmm. it's weird the idea of of fame today versus mm-hmm. what it must have been like 60 70 years ago yes because right. even explaining to my kids how big of a star michael jackson was mm-hmm. back in our day yeah is is something that's a little novel to them sure because someone who is just across all boards popular in the united states and beyond just doesn't quite happen on that scale anymore no and and this is the era when tv wasn't quite coming into its own there were famous movie stars and movies but there was still a lot of reading that happened Mm -hmm. in american popular culture and that included comic strips and you know magazine articles and whatever printed ephemera were out there that just doesn't happen as much anymore that's fair um i'm trying to look I, I will point out there was a point where this record i feel like when my uncle got it maybe he got a mint copy because it was like just nice. an ass load of money but you can get it relatively cheaply and i'm now i'm now tempted because i do love the cover very much i love sure. the cover pink is so underused nowadays agreed is it like <laughs> this picture is it salmon pink it's kind of like a salmon color the one i'm seeing uh-huh. um I don't know yeah. if this is... Oh, and it came with lyrics. Shit. Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. That's right, because my the one my uncle has came, has the lyrics as well, which I'm sure it's worth a lot more money that way. Um, you mentioned the orchestration earlier, which I feel like I, sh- I should point out. It's a really, really, really well put together record. It sounds beautiful. It sounds like any other kind of like... In some spots, especially the ones with the the that 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 woman singing those very pretty drifty songs, sounds mm-hmm. like any other kind of dinner record maybe that would have come out at the time. And then obviously the rest of it's batshit, but you know it's very well put together. It's beautiful sounding. <laughs> that's the thing that that I mean I I think that's what surprised me as I listened mm-hmm. to it again and again is like a lot of love and work went into this. Yeah. In a way that would not happen anymore. Mm-mm. Imagine a cartoonist coming to someone and saying, I've got these songs I wrote. I'm going to sing them. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> First of all, I, I'm not known as a singer, but I'm going to sing them. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be orchestration. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be awesome. First, you're now realizing I was going to make a joke and then realized I, I can't, and this is terrible of me, I can't name a cartoonist except for yourself. And again, Jim Davis, because he's come up 10 times in this, in this conversation. <laughs> uh, Scott Adams. Sure. Scott Adams. Yeah. Oh, God. Album under oh, his belt. Christ. Oh, no. Oh, that is not and a He's going to sing it. Yeah. He would. He would. His, he would be shirtless on the cover. Um,. There's no doubt about it. Shirtless on the cover with the Dilbert tie sticking up, though. Sure. Wear the Dilbert tie. Okay, yeah. now I now I almost want to see it happen. Sure. Almost. That's the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I guess we have something similar with... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, oh, what's his name? Family Guy. Oh, sure. Guy. Sure. I mean... Yeah, that classically trained sort of... Uh, it's weird. He, he, he will do... He has done... Just about everything. I'm assuming he's released a Family Guy CD or two, maybe. 
but probably. I, but those are things directly lifted from the show, just like the Simpsons records, the Bob's mm-hmm. Burgers records, which are friggin' brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, that, but again, they're from cartoons specifically, not from comic strips. It's 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 because that's a leap. That's a huge leap from one media yeah. to the other. Yeah. Again, maybe maybe out of frustration that it didn't become a comic. I don't know if he wanted it to become a, or a cartoon. I mean, I, I can't. It's not obvious to me, but uh, I'm looking at the the back of it. There's little, again, little pieces of his art on the back. Not as much. There's P- Pogo conducting. Um, yeah, it's cute. I mean, I it's I knowing what I do about the characters. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm pretty familiar familiar with the different characters, but I don't know if these songs were meant to be tied to the strip in any other way than the first song i don't know what it is yeah like who is who is who is the twirl twirl song supposed to be (laughs) (laughs) i just don't know and parsnoops (laughs) yeah these are these these are just wordplay these are just him having fun the notes on the back do say this is from the fiction of of the universe the songs on this record mark the musical debut of america's foremost possum which by the way i did not know he's a possum until today um, <laughs> there are 18 of them suitable for as many occasions, birthdays, clandestine trysts, medical checkups, elevator rides, uh, evenings at the public library, uh, noons when the kettle boils over, music to pay last year's bills by, etc. The uh-huh. range and mood from the haunting whence that wince to the rousing go-go pogo. And it, that just goes from there. But yeah, again, bar- barely any kind of um, establishment of what I'm to expect from this. First thing I'll say is, why what i know about pogo in mm-hmm. the through the lens of the strip is why is he writing all these songs mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> there's such a variety of voices like why did he write <laughs> the broken-hearted song oh. and the song for a two-year-old who's that for right if if that's what i'm expected to believe sure the other the other thing you list the the list of where you would listen to this one of the songs specifically to me sounded like a disneyland dark ride Ooh, which uh, one? It was. Hold on, let me check my notes. I wrote it down as I heard. It, I thought, oh, that sounds that sounds a little like pirates, almost. Wait a minute. It's the Parsnoops song. Some mm-hmm. of the instrumentation in the middle of it, I thought. This okay, is a weird I think I know. Yeah, journey. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Let me see if it says. Oh, I mean, the lyrics don't necessarily support it, but the mm-hmm. way it was orchestrated and the the mood of it, mm-hmm. the vibe of it, to me felt like I'm. I'm being shown something. Oh, the parsnips <laughs> were snipping the snappers while the parsley was parceling the peas. And parsing a sentence from handle to hand was a hornet who hummed with the bees. The turnips were passing the time of the day in the night of the moon on the porch. When the shape from the shadows so short fully shrift that the scallions were screeching the scorch. <laughs> How does anybody get that out? Like, but the way that singing. it's sung, it felt to me like, oh, there's a bunch of animatronic animals singing to mm-hmm. this to me as I sit in a little skiff boat and watch them do their thing <laughs> pogo would lend itself to that oh god god forbid there's a certain company that i won't name in this particular interview but i mean if they ever bought the ip to, to pogo i mean he could replace yeah. a certain wet ride at a certain place that ends in land i'm just saying i know that's they've already being, replaced that's, it that's happening already. i know they're already doing that and they've picked the right thing to do it by uh with however maybe I just, they'll do it again in 50 years pogo mm-hmm. will still be around it's true do you I always ask people to recommend the record 
um, it's going to be even harder because I'm normally like, you normally assume someone's going to recommend it and say, well, if you're not familiar with them from this, but I'm betting there's just an assload of people who have no idea who Walt Kelly is or what Pogo is. I'm sure. Um, I, I... And this is, it would be a weird way to get into what Pogo is, but do you want to recommend this, this one to people? Uh, I think if you've got an hour and you're driving somewhere and you want to have a really strange experience, give it a try mm -hmm. and see how it goes. I think there's some, you, if you've never experienced some of the more florid arrangements of the fifties mm -hmm. of fifties, white popular culture, this, this will be completely foreign. Yeah. And then adding on top of that, this raving guy spitting out these words that are just nonsensical mm -hmm. <laughs> i think it'll be a bit much but it would be an interesting endurance test for a lot of people for kids even more so mm -hmm. there are a couple of songs on here i think I, I i can see a kid liking this finding this really funny just because it's so weird but putting a kid down in front of a record player with the, these 18 songs mm -hmm. i don't know <laughs> i don't know how that ever happened i mean i know i never did when uh -huh. i was a kid i didn't survive that so yeah give it a go it gave me this weird energy listening to it. I was like yeah. kind of excited. I was just like kind of bouncing around and I don't normally do that. Um, and I don't know what it was from. I don't know if it was <laughs> rhythms. I don't know if it was all the alliteration. Again, more alliteration than any other record you've ever heard. Um, and then it's, and then something comes along to undercut that. Like, oh, here's mm -hmm. this really sweet song out of nowhere and right. back to a march <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> um let me pull this up so first of all thank you for doing the show that's number one my pleasure um i i i have been looking forward to this for a very very long time as you know i'm a massive fan and nerd of yours um nerd of that's not a thing thank you nerd for nerd for yours um a stan mm, a stan thank you very much <laughs> um <laughs> i'm too old to say that but this episode oh is that true did i move oh i moved some things around this is coming out next week um this is our main possibly only episode next week um, and as they go they're going to start building up what do you have to promote where can people find you uh hmm I've taken a break from most social media, so they can just go to my portfolio site, which is just adamcofer.com. Mm -hmm. There's links to Laugh Out Loud Cats, which was at hobotopia.com. That's where you can read some of the older strips. There's mm -hmm. also Haircut Practice on Go Comics, mm -hmm. which is easy to find. Yeah. If you're in the mood for Charles Schultz's fever dream of peanuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so, yeah. That's Those perfect. would be the main ones. <laughs> good, good. Um, so how many books are there? How many Laugh Out Loud Cats books have you done? Uh, I self-published the first one, yeah. which was Meet the Laugh Out Loud Cats. Yeah. There was uh, the Laugh Out Loud Cats Sellout, which was mm -hmm. the Abrams book. Mm -hmm. uh, there was Down with the Laugh Out Loud Cats, yeah. which is another self-published. And then the latest one... What did I call it? <laughs> I forgot what it was called. There's so many. Uh -huh. And I don't have it handy. There's a fourth one that shall remain nameless. Okay. I prefer not to think about it. Sure, sure. Understandable. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm, I'm too agreeable. Um, well, you can't write laugh out loud books, you idiot. That's what I just wrote. I know. I just, why didn't I write cats is the question. Um, 
<laughs> and none of them no no this is not helping me this is it's uh, it, look it's not your fault that the seo is a little janky on those words you know that's one of those things i just never cared about is seo uh-huh. yeah same <laughs> this is a uh, maybe one of the problem one of the reasons i have uh, uh-huh. issues with people finding my shit um, yeah. oh oh it's one more for the road is that that's, one more for the road there, there we go. go that's the other one i have yeah. i have two of them i need to buy the other two unless unless you calvin and Hobbes style release a hardcover compendium in which case i'll happily you know just say if there were a market i would be all over that sure not not the but, the few people there there's always by the way anything with your level of like engagement and 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 love for it there's always i know that core few people who would we were like no 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 everybody would want this and it's like uh-huh. No, you guys are the core few. I know you would pay the money. Thank you very much, but it costs an yeah. ass load <laughs> to publish. Yeah. It's a lot of time, a lot of effort just yeah. to for something to perform about what you'd expect it to perform. Like. Sure. Sure. <laughs> it's fine. You know, yeah. in the meantime, I'll just keep doing things. Yeah. Uh, creating, you know, and sharing with people. That's fine. That's nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, nothing wrong with that at all. I I thank you again for joining me. This has been a delight. And Thank uh, you. I'm glad we finally did this. I'm I've been listening to some past episodes and really enjoying what you've built here. It's awesome. Thank you. And it's getting me back into looking specifically for vinyl comedy albums. Mm-hmm. I grew up with Smothers Brothers and sure. a certain other stand up comic that was popular in the seventies and eighties and a mm-hmm. few others and George Carlin and Doctor Demento, so it's really reignited something in me that I really appreciate. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for listening. And as always, have a good thing. Comedy on Vinyl is a production of Stolen Dress Entertainment. It is produced by Mike Warden and is hosted and edited by Jason Klom. Our theme song was composed and performed by Richard Levinson. You can email us at podcast at comedyonvinyl.com. You can also send snail mail to Stolen Dress Entertainment, P.O. Box 805, Burbank, California, 91503. Subscribe to Comedy on Vinyl on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you can find podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write us a review. It helps. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Comedy on Vinyl, or find everything in one place at ComedyOnVinyl.com. A major portion of Comedy on Vinyl has been underwritten by Stand Up Records. Please visit StandUpRecords.com for all your comedy needs and tune in to the new Stand Up Records channel available on the Roku, where you can also find select episodes of this podcast. Visit StolenDress.com to listen to our other podcasts, watch videos, and imbibe freely of our multimedia content going back 15 plus years. Stolen Dress Entertainment. Hey, it's my turn. Ah! <laughs> <laughs>